Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Go with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Luke. We're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 28 through 34. And it reads, Then they drew near to the village where they were going, And he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is towards evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Verse 33. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Today, I want to speak to you, church, from the thought House on fire, house on fire. Slap your spouse or your child and say, house on fire. Let's pray. Awesome God that you are. Great King, eternally mortal, invisible, the only wise God. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it has power to change, resurrect, move, shift, and adjust us in our own being. In the matchless name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Well, in order for us to understand and what's happening in Luke chapter 24, we're going to go a few verses. We got to look a few verses and even a few different accounts of this same transaction and the same interaction in the gospel. We're so fortunate to have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a quadraphonic sound of the life of Jesus told by the disciples so we can go back and look at the different viewpoints from the different disciples. One of the things that we see is that the disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus were in a state of extreme disappointment. They were discouraged and perhaps they felt that they had bought into a lie, y'all. They're leaving the holy city of Jerusalem and they're walking on the road to Emmaus. They had left their lives and gone to serve Jesus. They'd heard about this king. They'd heard about this rabbi. He was the savior. He was the redeemer. They'd left everything they'd known and they'd gone to serve Jesus. And now, now Jesus is dead. And so they're, they had left the holy city of Jerusalem and we find them walking on the road to Emmaus. It was probably a pretty quiet walk, I'm thinking, in my sanctified imagination. Walking along, thinking, I believed him. What am I going to tell my family when I get home? I wonder if they felt punked. Certainly they felt brokenhearted and disappointed. And they're walking along, and we see the disciples there. They had left Jerusalem after the crucifixion of Jesus, who they thought was the Messiah. But he died He died right in front of their eyes. And so they had to be kind of like, dude, can you even believe this? And they weren't alone because we see in other accounts of the aftermath of the crucifixion, John chapter 20, we see Mary Magdalene so brokenhearted and she's wandering aimlessly throughout the garden. She whom Jesus had set free, she whom Jesus had made whole, She loved him. She loved Jesus. And and the sheer thought that not only was he dead, 
but his body had been stolen. She couldn't even serve him in death one more time. She couldn't even pay her respects. Yes, Peter and John had come and seen an empty tomb, but they'd left. And, and here's Mary Magdalene wandering in a garden, brokenhearted. Then further in John chapter 20, we see the disciples. They're barricaded behind closed doors in fear. They're scared to death that the Jews are gonna come and seek them out as the disciples of Jesus and do the same to him. They saw how he died and now they're scared. They're behind closed doors. They're barricaded in. They, they had been with Jesus. These were the men that walked with Jesus. They had been there when, he, when they fed. He, they were part of the miracle when he fed the 5,000. They'd seen blind eyes opened. They'd seen the dead rise. They had seen the woman with the issue of blood being healed. They were there when he turned the water into wine. These great men were petrified, locked in, sheltering in place because they were scared for their own lives. They were petrified, perhaps shock and disbelief, along with fear swirled in these disciples' minds in the room, heaviness in the space. I don't know, there might be heaviness in your space. Can you see them huddled? They're all huddled together in this house. They've got a barricade on the door. They've got the windows blocked out. They're hiding. I can see some of them sitting with their hands on their heads like, what are we gonna do? We had bought into this whole thing. Maybe another one is pacing back and forth, just thoughtlessly chewing their nails. Like, what, what's gonna happen to us? And maybe, maybe another was sitting silently, like, why did I follow him in the first place, unrest and fear, brokenness, brokenheartedness, disbelief. Really their team, their whole mission, what they had believed at this point had just been destroyed. I've had a run in with destruction. A few years back when I lived in Denver, um, my house, I was, I was at the office, I was at the church at the Potter's house and I was recording um, a Mother's Day uh, video announcement and my phone kept going off and I just kept ignoring, 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 ignoring. And I don't know if you've ever done that, just ignore, ignore, because you can't answer a phone when you're shooting a video, right? So finally I get finished shooting the video and I go out and I check my phone and it was my, my brother-in-law who never called me. So I called him back, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, Christy. Now, Ricky is the chillest, most laid back guy you could possibly imagine. And he's breathless and his voice is tense. And he says, Christy, your house is on fire. <laughs> say what? My, say what? My house is on fire? So, of course, I go in my car, run home really quickly and I, and to assess what's going on. And I, I'd never had a house fire. I'd never really been around that kind of a situation. And when I got there, I wanted to see the damage with my own eyes. And, and so it, the fire had started in my bathroom. It was in a guest bathroom and the, um, the vent fan thing had caught fire in the ceiling. And the, the fire lieutenant told me that the fire had started on its own and it had stopped on its own. That's a whole message I don't have time to preach right now. But what had happened was it completely destroyed um, everything that the fire touched. My whole ceiling on that level of my house was laying out on the driveway because the ceiling had um, completely been ripped out. So what happened is I started asking some questions. I was like, I'm standing in the soot and the ashes and the black charred walls of my house around me, the giant hole in my ceiling. The awful smoke smell was so pungent. And I had to ask myself, how did, I mean, other than like a match, 
how does a fire even start? Like what, how does that happen? How did it ignite? And I learned that in order for a fire to ignite, it needs three elements. Three elements must be in place. Oxygen, fuel, and heat. The right elements have to come together for a fire to ignite. Basically, I found out that when the right elements or maybe the wrong elements come together, you have a situation. You have a situation and it caused a destructive situation in my home physically. And I wonder if you've ever had a situation. Maybe you've had a situation. You know, we leave Easter Sunday at, um, at Ford Park. We got to have praise and worship. Pastor preached an awesome message. We're honking our horns at each other. The sky was blue. The flowers are blooming. It was a beautiful day. And then you leave and you go back home and, and maybe you have a situation. Like let the wrong person say the wrong thing at the wrong time and you got a situation. Let that teenager push the wrong button. Let that thing you need to work break down and now you've got a situation. Let the pain of that loss flood back into your memory. Let the heartbreak of what was done to you be rekindled. And now, now we have a situation. And Lord knows if you throw the wrong thing on a fire, you're going to make it worse. If you throw water, my mom told me now, Christy, Christy Dawn, if you throw water on a grease fire, it will combust. It'll explode. And so she always had a can, uh, not a can, but a little box of baking soda by the stove. In case there was a grease fire, I could put the right thing on the fire to put it out and not the wrong thing on the fire to increase the flames and make it um, even larger, make it explode. Now, I don't know if anybody's like me, but sometimes I've thrown the wrong thing on a fire and I have worsened the situation. I, I've, I've done that. Anybody ever, ever face a fire in your life and you came at it with the wrong thing and caused something small to explode and erupt? <laughs> what these decide, but for me, maybe, maybe I had to throw my two cents onto something and cause the whole thing to explode. Maybe I had to come in and, and have all the right elements blow up in my face. With the disciples here, the right elements had come together and now they're devastated. Just days before, Jesus had been riding on a donkey, being celebrated. Hosanna, Hosanna. His disciples had to think, this is it. This is it. This is the moment. This is what we've been waiting for. The excitement and the joy, but then the right elements came together. And now, now they're dealing with what seemed to be destructive, a destructive situation. Isn't it amazing though? how God is working a miracle when we are only focusing sometimes on the circumstances. We're praying and we're crying and we're downcast and we're distraught. How could this possibly be happening to me when all the while, just below the surface, Jesus was working out the miracle. They were crying in the streets. They were crying in the garden. They were crying in behind closed doors. And all the while, Jesus, just below the surface, was working it out. While they're crying just below the surface, Jesus was standing in the fires of hell, defeating Satan buying us back, taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave just behind, just beneath the surface. God was creating a miracle. And all they could see was the destruction in the circumstance. The disciples could only see destruction and disappointment, fear and loss. In the very moment, our victory was being sealed. All they could see was the defeat. What if the destruction in your situation is only setting you up 
for a greater miracle. What if while we're crying and while we're downcast, just below the surface, victory is on its way? Perhaps while we're discouraged and brokenhearted, perhaps some of us are petrified, just below the surface, victory is being worked out on our behalf. They're so focused on their circumstance that the miracle, ha- the miracle had already happened, but their vision was so scrambled. Have you ever had scrambled vision? See, when you're going through a trial by fire, not only do you have to deal with the fire itself, but the toxic waste of the fire, the refuse of the flames, you have to deal with the smoke. You guys, what happened in my house happened in one room, in one very contained place. And actually the damage caused by the fire wasn't so bad. The major damage was the smoke damage. The smoke damage was everywhere, all the way up into the insulation of my attic. See, smoke is made from, catch this, particles of the things that had burned. The particles of what had been destroyed attach themselves to the moisture in the air. And it causes this phenomenon. It's called Maie scattering. And I might be saying that wrong. It's M-I-E, Maie scattering. The effect it has is like a 3D texture. So the smoke doesn't just obscure an image. It thoroughly scrambles an image. I don't know if you hear me today, but when we focus on what was, our vision become scrambled. Smoke is particles of what burned. Smoke is particles of what was, particles of what's gone. And when you focus on that, your vision is scrambled. The men on the road to Emmaus had spent the better part of an entire day with Jesus and they didn't know him because of the smoke screen. Can you imagine how crazy it was (laughs) for Jesus to have them tell him what he had just gone through in Jerusalem? They didn't even recognize him. Finally, when they sit down at the end of the day to eat, Jesus takes the bread. Oh, I could go there. The bread of life takes the daily bread and breaks the bread and gives the bread. The broken bread of life takes the daily bread and breaks it and gives it. My God. The bread of life takes the daily bread, breaks it and gives it to the men. And in that moment, in that moment, in the moment of communion, they recognized him. They'd sat at his table before he was, they were his disciples. At the point of communion, the smoke cleared and instantly they were filled with joy. Do not our hearts burn within us. In the situation with Mary Magdalene, as she walked through the garden tomb, weeping and loss, Jesus appears to her, but she too was so focused on the pain and what was gone, she couldn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. Mary, he says to her, And in an instant, the smoke cleared. Why? Why did it clear? Because her focus shifted and the miracle became real. Why did he use her name? Because he knew her. He didn't call her woman. He didn't say, hey, you. He said Mary because they had a relationship. He knew her name. She knew his voice. There was relationship there. And the disciples on lockdown, petrified for their lives, the doors and the windows locked, the blinds pulled closed, Their circumstances had caused them to go into hiding. But when Jesus appeared, the smoke cleared in the presence of Jesus. Peace be with you, he spoke to them. The Bible tells us that they were filled with joy because in his presence is fullness of joy. The men walking on the road to Emmaus recognized him through communion. Mary Magdalene recognized him 
breakthrough relationship and the disciples recognized him through his presence. Communion, relationship, and presence reminds me of three elements that you need for a fire. Communion is like oxygen, the body, the blood, communing with the Savior. It's like oxygen to the believer. The relationship is fuel. The fuel the constant feeding in relationship with Christ, you speaking to him, him speaking to you, you reading his word, receiving back from his voice and the presence is like heat, light and glory are in his presence. It sounds like the perfect conditions for a fire, but not a destructive fire. You see, God help us, help us be a people that are on fire. Let us be people who are burning with the fire of God, catching our homes, our families, our lives, our church, and our community on fire. Feed the fire. Fan the, he's risen. Don't our hearts, church, burn within us. The old church used to sing a song, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire, catch on fire. Catch on fire, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire, burning with the Holy Ghost. I wish to God we would be a people who would catch on fire. Oh, but Pastor Christy, you just don't know. You don't understand what's happened to me. You don't know all I've been through. You don't know what's happening in my life right now. Really? Come on. <laughs> We've all got a story. We've all got dark moments. We've all got places because we all, need Jesus. I've been molested. I've been divorced. I've been cheated on. I've been separated. I've been a single mom. I've almost gone bankrupt and my house caught on fire. But I'll stand here in the face of hell and let you know that I will not be silent and I will not be moved. Devil, if you think you can put the fire of the living God out in me, you've got the wrong girl. And somebody needs to stand up in their house and say, you got the wrong chick. you got the wrong man. I may, I may be like a weeble, I may wobble, but I will not fall down. The fire of an eternal, everlasting God lives inside of me. What can hell bring to me that he has not already conquered? Why? Why, Christy, can you say that? Because you're so perfect? Good Lord, no. Oh, it's got to be because you're a pastor. No, no, it's because he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along the narrow way. He lives. He lives salvation to impart. Woo! You ask me how I know he lives? Come on. He lives within my heart. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, my life, your life, your family's life, our life is worth the living just simply because he lives. Once my eyes got off the destruction of the house fire, I realized I was a homeowner. I had homeowner's insurance and everything that had been destroyed everything that had been burned, everything that had been stripped away <laughs> that was meant to set me back and take me out was about to be totally restored. I said, well, look at God. He said, behold, I make all things new. <laughs> and hear me, the restoration of my house was not the, I didn't, I didn't go back in and put in that 1980s popcorn ceiling. No, I didn't go in and, and paint the walls the same drab color that it had been from 
from the previous owners. No, 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 no. I got to go in and do exactly what my specifications were. Because when God does a thing, honey, it is exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ever ask, dream, think, or imagine. The people of God, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Mary Magdalene, the disciples in the room in John chapter 20, they had gone from a fire of destruction to the fire of a holy living God. And that can happen for you. (laughs) I wanted a paint job. God gave me a complete remodel, total restoration. He'll take your old life. He'll take your broken heart. He'll take your colorless dreams, your destroyed pieces that are in the ash and say to you, behold, I make all things new. Today, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you right where you are to let the fire of a holy God begin to burn on the inside of you so hot and with such a tenacity that it cannot be quenched by the circumstances that are going on around. (laughs) Because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now lives and breathes and moves in your mortal body. Cathedral Church, right now in your home, I want you to make a decision. I want you to make a decision in your home, for our church, for our community, to become a house on fire. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for every person that's listening, for every person on the replay, for every person that is sitting under the sound of my voice, whatever it may be. Jesus, I thank you that you love them unmeasurably, immeasurably, that you died for them so that they could be alive again. Father, I thank you that that by your spirit, encouragement would begin to flood their homes, that where they have grown cold, that the fire would begin to be stirred up again. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the peace of God that is going to homes right now. And if maybe you've been away from Jesus, maybe you've never known him as your savior, or maybe you did and you walked away, Maybe you're just really confused. I want you to know that he died for you. And not only that, he lives again so that you can have life also. And if you would like to know Jesus, I want to ask you to pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my heart. I repent for all my sin. Make me new. I believe that you are the son of God and that you were raised from the dead. I give my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.